This is the New Canaan Society podcast for the Franklin, Tennessee chapter. We are a group of men who gather together to encourage each other in friendship and in faith, and to support each other to be better husbands, fathers, and better men in the marketplace and in our communities. Friendship at NCS happens through our regular meetings in local chapters all across the country. The Franklin, Tennessee chapter meets the first and third Thursday each month at Puckett's Grocery and Restaurant in downtown Franklin from 7 to 8 a.m. This podcast is sponsored by Harrington Interactive Media. Working on a book? Let us help you get it to print. We can edit your book, design the cover, and help you list it on Amazon's print-on-demand services. See examples of our work and connect with us at harringtoninteractive.com. In this episode, we hear Greg McCoy's talk called the red one recorded on May 16th, 2019. We got some friends we played Rook with and um, they, they like to use the red one and the red one, uh, it trumps everything. You know, we don't use all the ones, we just use the red one. So the red one trumps the bird, uh, which is crazy because it's Rook and the Trump ought to be the bird, and ought, but no, the red one trumps the bird. And so uh, the red one trumps it all. And the Lord played the red one on me the first time I really remember it. When I was 17 years old, uh, I began to sense that the Lord wanted me to um, become a preacher. That's all I knew how to say it. That's all I knew what it was that the Lord was calling me to preach. There was just something in me every time I would hear, uh, you know, the challenge, um, the Lord just disturbing my sleep, all that kind of stuff. I didn't know how to deal with that. I'm like, I was a quarterback of our football team in high school, but I didn't even get up and address the whole team. You know, somebody else did that kind of stuff. I I, I didn't see myself as a leader of any kind. Uh, so I told the Lord for a long time, you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. This can't be right. Um, so finally, one night, Brother Grady, he was a big fat preacher preaching a revival in our church. And on a Thursday night, July 30th, 1980, uh, he said, somebody in here is not doing what the Lord wants you to do. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, how did he know that? Well, uh, you know, so <laughs> now I realize I could say that, and every one of you would be like, oh, my goodness, how did he know that? <laughs> and so I walked down that aisle that night, and I said to my pastor, I said, I'm not sure, but I was sure. I'm not sure, but I think the Lord may be calling me to preach. And uh, I had no college plans. I had no college savings. My parents, uh, nobody in my family had ever been to college. I was going to work at uh, General Processing, make water heaters and propane cylinders like my, my dad did for 30 years. I was going to maybe go to the military. Next thing you know, I'm going to college. I ended up at Belmont where I um, got my undergraduate degree and met my wife and um, we moved to Texas and went to seminary and I'm I'm being trained to, you know, Dr. Gabhart at Belmont said a call to preach is a call to prepare and I thought, well, that makes kind of sense and I need a lot of help and uh, so I get out of seminary and I end up being at uh, the Friendship Baptist Church in Cullioca, Tennessee. Anybody know where Cullioca is? Oh man, I'm from Cully. I lived there eight and a half years in Cully. I uh, learned to talk like that and everything, you know, and um, in Murray County, not Murray County, it's Murray County. If you say Murray County, you're not from here, you know, kind of thing. Um, so eight and a half years I pastored there, and then the Lord played the red one again in my life in 1998. Um we loved our people in Cullioke. You know, it was a rural community. Um, they loved on us. My family, my wife and I had a, um, our daughter was um, three when we moved there. I had a son born 
uh, prematurely uh, in 1993, and he lived 11 hours, and he died. And on my 30th birthday, we I put a little box that contained his body in a hole in the ground. And uh, so we, we'd gone through some really uh, heart-wrenching times uh, with those people, and, and they loved us pretty well. They didn't know how to handle all of that stuff, but we found help, and uh, we were tracking pretty good. The longest pastor that ever stayed at Kalioka before we'd been there was three years and two months. And 180 years, three years and two months was the longest tenured pastor. I was there eight and a half years. You know, I planted tree in the parsonage yard. We were like, we're going to be here. Uh, and then the Lord played the red one. And I got a call from some folks in Portland, Tennessee. And a matter of months, the next thing you know, in 1998, um, my family moved to Portland. In the men- meantime, I had another son born, also a preemie, one pound, eight ounces, 24-weeker. Um, he is now 24 years old. Uh, I learned something during that episode that, I, that I'm confident of today, and that is I know nothing about prayer. Um, because when my first son, Austin, was born, I, I had a five-year-old daughter, Jennifer, um, and so Austin is born. I'm confident. I'm praying with confidence. The Lord is going to do a work. This boy is going to live. Uh, he's going to be a saint one day. Maybe the Lord will use him to be the next Billy Graham. I didn't know, but we just knew that the Lord was going to see to it that that kid's going to live. And the next thing you know, uh, he is gone. So Seth, a year and a half later, 1995, is born. 1-8, 24-a-weeker, different problems, not good. Same doctors. The same doctors that told me I'm sorry, Dad, is the same doctor that said it's not looking good, Dad. Had him maxed out at what was Baptist Hospital in downtown Nashville, maxed out on respirations, maxed out on oxygen. I asked one of my friends, would he preach Seth's funeral? So I went from praying with faith that a kid would live, he didn't live. And I kept praying because of my wife. You know, she grabbed me one day. She would live at the Ronald McDonald house, and Seth was in the hospital for 135 days before he ever went home. And so I'd be in Kalioka with my then seven-year-old daughter. We're doing the school thing. I got really good at a ponytail. It was pretty good at that. And on Fridays, we'd go up and hang with Mom, and they'd have their time, and I'd just spend time at the hospital. Um, And everything went wrong. You know, his abdomen's distended. He had a incarcerated hernia, uh, he, it's eye surgery on both sides, bleeding his left ventricle. They said the best case scenario is he might be a slow learner. We said, Lord, we don't care. Just let us take a kid home from the hospital. Um, so um, all that said, I thought the kid was going to die. So I had his preacher lined up. That's how I was praying. I don't know if you guys struggle with stuff like that, um, but I've prayed with faith. It didn't happen. I prayed without faith. It did happen. Lord, I'm just going to keep praying, and uh, you do what you can do. And so Seth is today scouting out physical therapy schools. Uh, sharp kid, loves to play the guitar, and um, but he's got to figure out how to make a living. Anyway, the, the, the Lord... Uh, Some of you guys make a living playing the guitar. He's just not going to make a living playing the guitar, but he loves to do that. So I'm trying to encourage him as a dad, you know. Uh, Lord played the red one. We moved to Portland, Tennessee. Um, 
that was a good spot for my family, you know. Uh, for 16 and a half years, I pastored First Baptist Church in Portland. Um, we, were, we were having, our kids are growing up there. That's the only home that they actually even remember now. I still live there uh, in Portland, and, uh, but the Lord played the red one. And so we changed churches. I doubled my congregation in one week and uh, still always feel kind of uh, in over my head where I'm doing things. Uh, and in the year 2000, uh, Dr. Bryant Millsaps, who was my predecessor at the Children's Homes, he, he heard me preach at some uh, associational meeting or something, and then he called me and said, hey, would you be willing to serve on our board of trustees? I thought, man, alive, if, if I do any kind of d- denominational stuff, uh, the children's homes, because of what they did, what I knew even then, I said, yes, that's the only thing I want to do in denominational life. I don't want to be on anything else, or I surely don't want to ever be in leadership over there. But yeah, I love what the children's homes did, and so I wanted to be on the board of trustees. And for 12 years, I was serving as a board member for our trustees. Um, I told my wife, I rolled out after 10 years, you got to roll off. And then I came back on two years later, and um, so I I told my wife, I said, I don't think I want to go back on the board because I want to tell you what's going to happen. Bryant Millsap is going to retire, and we're going to have to find his replacement. I don't even want to be a part of that. I don't know where in the world we're going to find who's going to replace him. And uh, but then he didn't, and so I, I, I said, "Well, I'm going to come back on the board because I, I love what we do." You know, uh, we mission trips on our ranch and day trips in Brentwood, and a couple of day trips in Chattanooga, just uh, doing farm work, doing tree work, uh, landscaping, painting the inside of the houses, whatever it was. We just love being involved in that kind of stuff. And so, sure enough, come back on the board. Bryant Millsaps announces his retirement, and um, we put together a team of really, really sharp people to find the next president. And next thing I know, my phone starts ringing. And they're like, hey, Greg, we, we really think your name is Ben. I said, you're crazy. You know, I, I had an education minister that died at church after teaching a Wednesday night Bible study a few years ago. He had told me, he said, man, I see you following Dr. Bryant Mills. I said, you're crazy. Uh, you know, the Lord has called me to preach. And in my mind, that's pastoring until I'm done. And, and other board members, hey, man, we want you to put name to Ben. I said, have you talked to him? No, I hadn't talked to him. And so the Lord began to kind of, Lay down the red one again. And I began to pray, now, Lord, this is serious. Am I being true to my calling if I do something besides what I'm doing? I mean, you know, being president of children's homes, not, it's not pastoring. It's not being the preacher I thought I would be. And the Lord kept laying the red one down. And I kept saying, there's a lot of reasons not to do this. Number one, out of seven presidents in 128 years, I do not have my doctorate. You're going to be a doctor. I'm not. Every other president has, a, has had a doctorate. I'm not qualified to be that. I don't have the vocabulary Bright Millsaps has. I don't know what to, I don't even know what to do. I know what a pastor should do, even if I didn't do it. But I don't know what a president of the children's home is supposed to be doing every day. Did I care about our ministry? That was already there. Did I love what we do? Already there. Had I already seen life change in our kids? Absolutely. That's why I wanted to be involved in that stuff. Long story short, I'm resigning from my church. One lady said, no, you're not. <laughs> and I told them where I was going, and then the whole church started to applaud because they love the ministry of the children's home. But the red one, it trumped a five and a half mile commute and now my commute's 50 miles. 
not to mention Nashville's between me and Brentwood. It trumped a good gig. We were having some fun in Portland. We had work to do. I had a great staff. The red one trumped a comfortable life. And I thought, you know, the red one trumped Abraham. He liked where he lived. And the Lord said, go to a land. I'll, I'll show you where it's at. Just go. And the, the, the Lord laid down the red one. The Lord laid down, laid down the red one for Moses. Uh, you know, Moses, shepherd and sheep, his father-in-law's sheep. Hey, Moses, by the way, do you know you're going to lead my whole people? And you go see the Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. The red one put him in that situation. Gideon wanted to go up into battle, make sure the Lord was on his side. Had several thousand. Lord said, it's too many. The red one, I'm going to fight 120,000. Lord, you need 300. That doesn't make sense. Well, that's the red one. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it changes your trajectory. Um, Mary, uh, Mary, you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Uh, red one trumps her reputation. Disciples, Trump fishing, Trump tax collecting. Lord lays down the red one. You know what I'm talking about. He's laid down the red one for you, hadn't he? Changed your life. Maybe you changed your career. I met guys in seminary that were bankers, and then they're going to be preachers. I'm like, how do you do that? You know, you you got grown kids. Oh, Lord laid down. They didn't say it this way, but they're saying the Lord laid down the red one. So the Lord's call, and this is what I learned. My calling wasn't to preach the gospel. My, my calling is to be obedient to the Lord. I thought my calling was to preach. And I understand we preachers say that kind of stuff. But my calling is to be obedient. And if that changes my assignment, then that changes my assignment. And for now, I have the privilege to work with a great team of people who love kids and to be a part of a ministry that actually changes lives. We work really hard at pointing them to Jesus. We've decided we can put shoes on their feet, clothes on their back, give them a safe place to sleep at night. Nobody's going to bother them. We can make sure they get to school, and we're going to take them to church whether they want to go or not. But only Jesus can fix what's broken. So we're going to point them to Jesus. And um, I appreciate your prayers for us and the opportunity to share with you today. God bless you. You've been listening to the New Canaan Society podcast for the Franklin, Tennessee chapter. Remember to check out Harrington Interactive Media and get your book to print. They edit, package, and help you put your book on Amazon if you're an author, organization, or a publisher. That's harringtoninteractive.com. <laughs>